is episode six of season three, covering the 2023 NFL season week five. Uh, my name is Jeremy Dixon, your host, as always, along with Mike Parker. Mike, how you doing, man? Good. How's it going? Uh, man, this is our first time kind of not being in the same room with each other when doing this podcast. It's a little weird, but we'll see how it goes. It is, man. It is. We're uh, we're zooming it here today. So, uh, you know, when when uh, the when the opportunity uh, says we have to do that, we have to do that. So, uh, yeah, we'll get it. We'll get into it. Um yeah, man, I'm, uh, you know, everything's, uh, everything's good. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you guys are all like healthy or getting healthy. And, uh, we had some sickness issues this last week and, uh, feeling like I'm hoping everybody's feeling good again, though. Here we are chatting just yards apart. I and... know, right? I can, throw, <laughs> I can throw a football to you right now, bro. Man, technology is a wonderful thing. Right? It's, it's crazy. All right. Well, yeah. Where where are we gonna kick off here then, you guys? Well, uh... let's. We got our degenerate corner. We got to start with you know oh, how yeah. we did you know this week in our bets. Um, you usually have you're usually crying when we do this segment. So how did you do Not this week? This week, man. I actually had a winning week, man. I'm up one unit. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, so um, I know. I think a game that we went head to head in uh, Jacksonville. I had Jacksonville plus five and a half at Buffalo. Well technically in London. I just figured that Jacksonville being in uh, staying in London for the extra week and uh, playing over there might give them a little bit of an advantage. And it did Uh, ended up winning that one. Uh, I had New York jets plus two. It was my, uh, it's my five-star pick of the pick of the year. And uh, they, they lived up to it and just hung on by the skin of their teeth for the most part, but uh, they won by three, right? Take that W. Uh, yeah. No, no I think they ended up winning one. by 10. I think they were up by three until Russell Wilson fumbled the ball and they returned it for Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, uh, you're right, 10. Yeah, yeah. and uh, then I had Arizona plus two versus Cincinnati and Joe Burrow and that offense woke up. And, they did, uh, and we'll definitely but, talk and, and about That was that. actually kind of a that, – that game kind of could have gone either way. Arizona definitely kept it close for the majority of that game, but – in the end, it's a, a loss is a loss. So um, I was up a hundred dollars this week. Got my season total uh, back down to negative six hundred from negative seven hundred. So I'm feeling feeling better, man. It's progress. Yeah, that sounds sounds good. Uh, I didn't fare so well. Um, I did was on the losing end of that Buffalo uh, minus five and a half. Um, I also took the Houston money line. Now this was close. And we'll discuss it later. I think I just uh, there was a point difference here, uh, but we'll give it to Atlanta. Um, they hosed me, and then I have uh, I had Miami minus ten and a half at the Giants, and I had the New Jersey money line with some uh, some plus odds on that uh, at Denver. So I just went ahead and said, you know, I think the Jets are going to win outright. I'm not going to mess around with the uh, um, with the points. So that okay. paid off. So where were you? Was, was that your last pick then? Yeah, I just had the four. Um, so I was net 91 cents. <laughs> 91 cents positive. Hey man, that's, a win is a um, win, bro. My grandma used to is. say if she came back with a quarter in her pocket from Vegas, she was a winner. So there you go. Hey yeah, so um, I was up to $480.10 on the season. Um, sitting around 65% on my uh, my pick so far. 
man, and looking at this week, I know we'll talk about it later. It's going to be tough. Like I'm going to have to start hunting for, for value somehow, maybe some parlays and stuff, but that's where yeah. things get like super risky. So you I'm know, hedging I was, a bit. I was <clears throat> thinking about it because I like always, I never, the problem is that we do this podcast on Wednesday every week and it comes out Thursday, but I never even make a bet on the week until Thursday. Like I usually bet on Monday or Thursday night football, just to have some, some stakes some skin in the game, but I never make, right. and then I don't ever make my Sunday picks until either Saturday or Sunday. Cause I like to see where the line moves to, um, it, you know, when the sharps come in. So, um, it makes it, it, it's tricky for me on that level, just cause I'm like, well, I'm not paying that close of attention to the lines early in the week, but um, it, it kind of opens my eyes to, to the possibilities of that. I try well. to stay away from, um, Monday, Tuesday, right. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even look at the bets until Wednesday morning, really. Cause I try right. to get the latest and greatest for the pod. That's what um, I do does any of the conversations we have ever like influence or change your mind with the bet that you make on Thursday? Yeah, you know, it does a little bit. I definitely, um, I'm a big fan. I think we're both pretty big fans of Bill Simmons. Um, and I usually listen to his million dollar picks and like, I take something from that. Mm. And then I have, there's a couple other like kind of gambling podcasts that I listen to that um, kind of help direct me for like my actual game bets that I make um, in real life. So, uh, but yeah, well, I'll so. say I couldn't, I couldn't listen to a betting podcast to save my, just that is too much. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, Bill, that, that's why I like angles. the Bill. Yeah, that's why I like the Bill Simmons because it just is kind of like a, a small segment, kind of towards the end of the podcast, uh, where he lays out what he's he's betting on this week. So, yeah, it is it is what it is. Um, but yeah, man, I wanted to. All right, and, and our uh, bets. <laughs> oh yeah, go. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go 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 ahead, man. Go ahead. I was gonna segue, so you had another oh. point. Oh, I was just going to say that um, before we get into our game notes, or uh, as I like to call it, the slowest 45 minutes in sports, um, I wanted to to go with a stat. Is it stat guy that I used to call on every week to, to get the correct, uh, if we, we were off on a, if we had an omission during the, the show the previous week um, that we would step in? Yeah, if we had an omission or we messed something up. So I, I came up with that guy. Yeah. Right. I came up with the concept of, I wonder if there's ever been because Chicago um, has a chance of having the first and second draft or pick in the draft uh, in the the upcoming 2024 draft next April or May or whenever it is. And uh, so I was like, I wonder if there's ever been a team that has had the first two picks and um, you said, well, stat guy can get on that. And I think you're stat guy this week. So I, I went ahead and, and dug into this a little bit as stat guy. And, uh, you know, I started off just going in reverse order from 2023 back to like 1939, I think, or 36, wow. one of the two. Um, and it, it wasn't that, it sounds a lot, a lot more, uh, in depth than it really was. But, uh, so I, I went through, so, um, I started in 2023, obviously there wasn't two first, uh, first and second round pick, but there were two top five picks. And I'm like, well, let me document what, what, what years the same one team had two top five picks just in case there's not one that, that had it. So 2023 Houston had two, two picks in the top five, CJ Stroud, number two, Will Anderson, number three, 
2018, Cleveland had two in the top five when they took Baker Mayfield number one and Denzel Ward number four. Uh, in the year 2000, the Washington football team had two in the top five. Uh, number two, LeVar Arrington. Number three, Chris Samuels. 1997, the Seahawks had two in the top six. I just threw this in there because we had, you know, it was close enough. Uh, three, Sean Springs and six, Walter Jones. 1994, the Indianapolis Colts had two in the top five. They drafted Marshall Falk second and Trev Alberts fifth and then we hit the jackpot mike 1992 those same indianapolis colts had the first and second pick in the draft number one any care to care to guess possibly a local guy defensive tackle wait wait oh entman entman was number one and quentin Coriot was number two linebacker mm. So oh, that's right. They went heavy on defense that year. So they went one, two on defense that year. And two years later, they had the two picks in the top five with Marshall Falk and Trev Alberts. And, you know, none of them really panned out. Well, they got rid of Falk almost instantly. Cool. They brought in Dickerson. Right. And Steve Entman, uh, you know, he won rookie of the year, I believe, but just didn't do a whole lot after. I think his knee was bad by the time he got there. But anyway, so then after that, I was like, I'm not looking for two picks in the top five anymore. And so I just went all the way back. And in 1958, there was one, I figured there would be more earlier in, in the draft since there were less teams, but uh, the only other time there was two, uh, one team out of the two top picks was in 1958. And that was the Chicago Cardinals drafting King Hill, number one, and John David Crow, number two. So. Jeez, those are some names, huh? Yeah. Yes, sir. So that's it. That's that. Two times, 1958 and 1992, that the same team is of the top two picks. It's extremely rare for a team to give up those first round picks. That is for mm-hmm. sure. It's a new it's a new NFL, though. They seem to be throwing them out like Tic Tacs now. Yeah, they are. That's very true, man. So you get a first round pick. You get a first round pick. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, so let's, let's get into uh, let's dig into it. Yep. All right. So on by this week, we had Cleveland, the LA Chargers, uh, Seattle Seahawks, and Tampa Bay. So those teams won't be covered, obviously, but we did have the other remaining teams playing this week. Uh, let's start off with Chicago in Washington. They played Thursday night football. Now, I will start this off by going like, what, what does Benjamin St. Juice have on these NFL refs? Um, in his win against Denver, he mugged like Mike Tyson punched in the face and stealing a wallet type mugging, uh, Cortland Sutton to prevent the two point conversion. And this game, there was at least three times that he should have been called for defensive PI. I just don't understand. Like what, what am I missing here? He's playing tough for sure, but he is definitely getting there early. I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, this, you know, this was the uh, Chicago team I was kind of expecting to see from the beginning of the season. Um, You know, Justin Fields wasn't great, but did enough. DJ Moore went freaking, he probably had his best game as a professional player with 230 yards receiving and three touchdowns. Um, And then, and he's like, if I had to give a game ball, that'd be who I give it to. I'm assuming that's probably who you gave it to. Uh, Cole Komet. Um, is also that was another uh, bright spot for me. I'm, I'm not. I'm not giving anything to Cole Komet. 
no, no I'm game saying balls. DJ, I said DJ. I meant DJ Moore was who you probably who you should be giving the game ball to. But uh, Cole Komet, now he looks good, man. He's he's definitely uh, climbing up that that rank of uh, tight ends, which I know you uh, sent me a sent me a meme the other day about how uh, kind of lackluster the tight end position has been statistically. I mean, the head guys like got two hundred and some odd yards. Yeah, less than three hundred yards in five games and receiving. So. Honestly, tight ends just don't make an impact in the game outside of like one guy, really. Right. And my my only other note from this game is Sam Howell might have had his best game as a pro as well, um, putting up 388 yards passing. So let's let's pause there for a sec because you're stepping on. (laughs) Okay, my bad, man. I'm just trying to give out my. Go ahead. (laughs) But we, anyways. So to your point i wanted to say my my spotlight was sam howell so why don't you go ahead and what do you got for sam i just had I'll, you know he yeah he put up good numbers only through one interception he was sacked five times obviously not completely his fault getting sacked that many times but um yeah threw for 388 yards passing on 73% completion and two tds and and an interception yeah, 50, on 51 attempts, that's 73%. So it wasn't like it was an efficient pass. I mean, it wasn't like they were here. You were 73% on 12 passes. And they were throwing the ball all over the place. I would say, um, especially in the second half, there was about a 20, minute, uh, 20 minutes of game time up until they missed that field goal where Sam Hell looked like he was going to single-handedly lead his team back. Uh, to victory here so I thought he had a really good day I'm not a really true believer I think he's a little small he's a little um uh I don't even like it's like Baker Mayfield's like this where he just pinballs everywhere and it just looks like absolute chaos I still feel like he does that uh Sam Howell and then he he man he's not getting down on those hits uh he's he took some really big shots trying to to you know get that first down uh, get those first down running around. So I like to see him stop doing that. Um, I don't really believe in his pocket passing and, and, and stuff long-term. So uh, we'll see, but he definitely played an amazing game here. Yeah, no, it was, uh, looked good, man. He did look good. And, you know, it's funny. I bet on this game in, in real life and uh, yeah, I was through 10, I was like wanted to have 10 bucks on the game just so it's made it a little more interesting to me because these two teams obviously are not very interesting and uh <laughs> i went on to go i was all set to go bet on washington to win the game and i saw that the i went on like probably 20 minutes before the game had started and um you know the point spread dropped a half a point within that like 20 minutes that i was like debating and i was like i'm gonna go bet on washington i think they're gonna win this game and uh the Oof. point spread had dropped by a half a point so i'm like well that means all the sharp money's coming in on chicago so let me i was like screw it i'm just gonna bet on chicago and was feeling pretty good about 10 minutes into the game when they were up 10 or 15, 14 to nothing or something so maybe 17 to nothing at one point but yeah so yeah i mean i i don't think the score is indicative of how close this game was uh for a period of time it looked like it was going to get like they were right there. They were knocking on the door. They yeah. needed one touchdown. And I think they were down by seven at one point or maybe, yeah, down by seven at one point. And they were, they were storming back until they missed that second field goal. And then all the momentum uh, got lost. Um, so yes, to your point, 
my game ball goes to DJ Moore. You said all his stats there, the 230 yards, three touchdowns. Um, there was even one that was called back because he was quote unquote out of bounds. You know, I never saw a sideline view in this play, which is really weird because they have cameras everywhere. And I suspect they know that he did not step out of bounds. It was a horrible call. That's why we're not seeing any, um, any video of that sideline. Um, I always am very skeptical because they know within like a millimeter, a centimeter, like if that guy's toe goes out of bounds at any point in that field. And all of a sudden in that play on that sideline, there's no video evidence to <laughs> say that he actually went out of bounds. So a little skeptical there. Very interesting. His night could have got, uh, could have been much better DJ Moore. So good job by him. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I have. All right, let's uh, move on to that London, the aforementioned Jaguar uh, Buffalo Bill game uh, out in London, London town. Um, little correction here before we get started. Uh, JFK to Heathrow is seven hours of flight time. So I apologize. I know I said it was three hours. Unless you're on the Concorde, it's seven hours. So, which I don't even think they're flying the Concorde anymore. So you're stuck. Um, yeah, I was wondering this... about that. I was like, I was going to call you out on that. I was like, I kind of like was like three hours. I'm like, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like... I had to check myself because it seemed a little because I was like, there's five hours. So they're, you know, zero UTC zero. Right. And and the East Coast is five. So there's five hours difference. But it only takes three hours of flight time. I started to question myself. So logic kicked in and uh, got the, you know, fixed it. Um, well, back to the game. I thought this was a pretty exciting um, 11 to seven game is <laughs> really weird watching this. And they were just, these two teams were going at it. Uh, they were both moving the ball um, between the twenties, pretty good. Uh, but a lot of these drives just stalled out due to penalties or turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, it was, you know, it, I felt like Buffalo looked, I, I woke up a little early, flipped the game on. Um, just Buffalo kind of looked asleep, man. That's what I was worried about with, when, that's why I didn't bet on Buffalo. I bet on Jacksonville just because I figured, you know, it's tough. That's a tough, because they, they were playing at 9.30 a.m. What, in Buffalo time. So that's, you know, I mean, that that's tough to get up for that that time frame, I would think. But um, I mean, I guess West Coast teams go to the East Coast and play at 10 a.m. So it's not that far. Well, I was I was thinking about it. Uh, a flight from Seattle to um, to Miami, for example, I believe is about the same flight time as you would see in from um, New York to um, London. Okay. So it's just they just they decided the Bills decided to go up on Friday and just see what happens. And they just weren't ready. It, it, it apparently they looked a little lethargic and um, Josh Allen looked a little overthrowing and stuff. Um, so that leads to my spotlight. You know, Stefan Diggs um, is like Cole Sear from the sixth sense. I see yellow. Uh, Josh Allen's numbers looked pretty good on the surface. 359 yards and two TDs, but he was uh, sitting at about 68% passing percentage 
and he had a pick on a key drive, a lot of miscues and overthrows as well. So, and we had a Stefan Diggs throwing a, a, a PC. Um, again, I'm, I'm following Stefan Diggs. If he's irritated, it's, it's because Josh Allen is not doing what he's supposed to do. He's not staying within the game. He's not seeing the, the field like he should be seeing it. And I, I'm a believer that if Stefan Diggs is happy, this team can be one of the top three teams in the league. And if he's not, it means YOLO Allen is out there, you know, making things up. Go to the Buick and take a right kind of. Yeah. You know, I had, um, I had down that, um, that Buffalo almost made a late game comeback. Josh Allen kind of lost his mind for two or three, maybe four series in the middle of the game. Um, but played fairly well other than that. Um, yeah, the numbers are huge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, Travis Etienne, man, shout out to him. He had a, he had a breakout game. I think he had like over 140 yards rushing and a couple of touchdowns. My dumb ass did not start him in fantasy football because Buffalo's defense has been good against the run up until this point. Um, yeah, he had 136, two TDs, and then added another 48 uh, passing. So really great right. day for him. Yeah, I had a big day. He's one of the top uh, fantasy running backs this week. Uh, Calvin Ridley really had a good game this week as well. Um, and I put down, monitor that the Josh allen Stefan Diggs relationship. I think that could be a storyline going forward. Well, I mean, there was, uh, I think, something posted up in uh, on ESPN today about um, Josh Allen on the talking about his relationship with Diggs and stuff like that. And mm. it's just, it's really weird. You know, obviously he has to answer to Diggs being like angry on the sideline and throwing the, uh, the surface down on the ground and kind right. of what that looks like to everyone. Um, I think it sucks that they have to deal with that. I mean, I don't know how many times, you know, I've been in like fights or arguments or something like that with people and it didn't need to be that level that to have to endure that level of scrutiny for like a <laughs> either uh, like a little tiny tiff or whatever, you know? Right. No, I hear you. I hear you. All right. So my game ball, I'm going to give it to Trevor Lawrence. It was his first 300 yard game of the year. Um, he had a TD and he led Jacksonville on a couple key fourth quarter TV TDs. Uh, Travis Etienne ended up getting those into the end zone, but uh, he did a really good job getting the, getting the Jaguars moving, moving up and down the field. Yeah. He looked, he looked good. He looked comfortable, which was, surprising. I feel like he's been comfortable all year. I think he, but there's he something has like wrong. some points where he like, looks like he's a little flustered with either the play. He's calling. frustrated. He's yeah. frustrated with the play calling for yeah. sure. Flustered. I, I I don't see flustered. I see frustrated. Frustrated. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. All right. All right. All right. Let's move on to uh, Houston at Atlanta. Um, my take on this Atlanta outgained Houston. Well, it's not really my take. It is fact. Atlanta outgained Houston by about a hundred points. Houston was in the red zone several times in the first three quarters, but only came around, uh, came away with 12 points. To me, that's kind of the difference in the game. Uh, they weren't efficient in the red zone. They weren't, they weren't, they needed to convert those uh, field goals into touchdowns, put some distance between them and Atlanta with a team like this, you try to get up, you got, you got to get in, you got to get into the end zone. If you don't, um, you just, you may not be good enough down the stretch to, uh, 
to hold off some of these teams, put up those points, try to get out in front, try to stay ahead of the sticks, try to stay on schedule and uh, kind of outscore the team. They're good, but they just, you know, weren't, weren't crisp uh, on yeah. Sunday. Yeah, I had uh, my notes for the game. Atlanta finally able to get Kyle Pitts into the offense. Um, Bijan Robinson had a spectacular catch and run for a touchdown. Didn't do a whole lot on the ground, um, but Desmond. Well, Ritter... he, had, he had he had two catches. He's my spotlight, Bijan. Okay. He had a decent day. Fifty-eight all-purpose yards and a touchdown. So not a lot of yards. To the your touchdown point. catch was beautiful. Like it was crazy. It was like behind the, the, sh- him, the like shuffle pass, back. right? Yeah, and it was he a pins it on his hip. He pins it on his hip, and he's making moves as right. he's trying to recover that. Yeah. He also had one on the left sideline where it was kind of thrown behind him, and he grabbed it with one hand, and then he had it in his hand behind him, and he turns to look upfield makes a guy miss, gets out of bounds. Didn't make it very, like, a lot of yards or anything, but, man, it was it's just, like, catch, yeah. his ability to look it into, look the ball into his hands and then kind of, like, have that, like, confidence to turn and and make, it's it's amazing. That, to me, is, like, game of inches, game of seconds. That's, that's why he's so good. Yeah. Um, And I had the other note I had, uh, or two notes I had, Desmond Ritter had 75% completion and uh, no turnovers in this game, which is a positive step for him. Um, And then I just put that I, I, you know, I really like the fight in Houston um, because, you know, young team like that could roll over real easy. I I really like D'Amico Ryans as their coach. Um, Yeah. I just think they're, they're, they're poised for big things in the future. I think I, I like, I kind of like the way that they're meshing together. Yeah. So my game ball goes to Desmond Ritter. Um, and it was his best day as a pro, in my opinion, um, that 76% that you mentioned was on 37, uh, 37 attempts. They are putting a lot on his shoulders. They are making him go out there and throw the ball a lot. Um, he did have that one TD. Uh, he did add a rushing TD as well. So that, that is good. Um, I think the best part of his performance on Sunday was his poise down the stretch. Uh, when he was going on that, uh, that touchdown drive, he looked crisp. He looked decisive. He knew where he wanted to go with the ball. He was executing the offense very well, uh, getting everybody in the, in the, they just looked like they were firing on all cylinders uh, on that drive. So I was really impressed, um, especially since for the first four weeks of the year, he's like, who's this Desmond Ritter guy? This guy's trash. Let all this kind of other noise. And he managed to put that aside and uh, go out there and get the dub. Yep, couldn't agree more. This kind of was the offense I was, again, was waiting to see from from uh, Atlanta. You know, like that was the one thing I was excited for with them getting Bijan Robinson. Um, you know, and hopefully, like I, I, I like I liked what Kyle Pitts brought to the offense when they finally were able to get him involved. So, well, they had Kyle, Kyle Pitts involved. They had London involved. They're getting Van Jefferson and they just traded for him today from the Rams. So I'm interested to see, they seem to really be gearing up for like a passing offense when this was supposed to be like one of the foremost rushing um, right. teams of, of the league. Their top two rushers, uh, Bijan uh, Robinson and Algiers only had uh, combined 86 yards rushing. So I wonder yeah. what's going on there. Um, not a lot of carries. 
uh, the two generated, um, what is that? 31, 31 total carries. So uh, very interesting that they're, they're so heavy with Desmond Ritter on the passing uh, with those two, uh, those two monsters, you know, sitting back there in the backfield. Right. Yeah. All right. Moving on. We have Carolina at Detroit, man. Part of being a Super Bowl contending team is to beat the bad teams. And that's what Detroit seems to be doing this year. Uh, they're four and one. They have a pretty easy schedule uh, ahead and they already have a win against the next best, best team in their division. So um, they beat Green Bay at Green Bay. So they're going to have them at home later on in the year. They're in a really good position to win the NFC North and really make uh, a move to um, being one of the top three, four teams in the NFC. Yeah, no, they're uh, yeah, they've got to be right up there, man. I mean, I, I think it's it's probably them or the Cowboys for that three spot right now. To be honest with you, um, yeah, I, I, they're and maybe you can maybe this is a rough Hawks. one for me you because I agree with you in there too. I so. As a, as a long-term Seahawks fan, I have a really tough time of being confident in anything that they've ever done. Me too. So I'm a little, I'm a little pessimistic. I'd put them three to five, but your whole comparison with Detroit uh, and Dallas is there's something there. And it, I just well, got to, it feels like two teams going in opposite directions too. Yeah. I mean, that defense uh, for Den for Dallas was really good. But they have they have some key losses. Mm-hmm. Um, they took like three L's from their defense. They're like out uh, after that 49ers game. Um, just all the injury report for for Dallas. That was a really rough game for them, and they were pretty much manhandled. And I, I, I didn't I, go I didn't go dig any further into it, but I know I texted you during the game that, or maybe during the pregame, I had heard that. Um, somebody mentioned that since Trevon Diggs injury, that Dallas is the 30th ranked passing defense in the NFL now. And they had been one of the best prior to that. I didn't, I'm, I might try to go do a little more deep dive into that this week to, to kind of. Uh, I did a very yeah. superficial like search and they were somewhere in the top five in prior to passing before. yards. No, like total, oh, okay. even after this. Um, but again, we'll have to deep dive on that, but anyways, getting back to Detroit, wonderful game. Um, man, they're looking really good. My spotlight was, uh, Jared Goff. He's pretty efficient, uh, 71%, uh, completion on 28 attempts, his yards just around 236, but he had three TDs. Um, and most important, no turnovers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, my uh, yeah, that that is a big thing. Um, I'm just looking up one thing real quick because I thought I had marked down that he had four touchdown passes on the game, but I you're probably right. I probably wrote the wrong thing down. But my notes for the game was that you know it was never in doubt um, from start to finish. Detroit just outplayed them in every aspect of the game. It seemed like um, yeah, you were right. Three touchdowns. Uh, no interceptions. He, he had a rushing. Oh, okay, that's what I got. Okay, that's where it must be where I was coming from then. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, David Montgomery goes for over a hundred yards, which and a touchdown, which is uh 
good for that running game. David, Mon- I like David Montgomery, man. I always have. He's uh, a tough runner, tough yeah, runner, and he can catch the ball in the backfield. He's a really dynamic guy, and I know they're. I know Gibbs is injured right now, so um, it's good to have that guy that can be in there for all three downs. Um, my other note, though, is Bryce Young tall enough to be an NFL quarterback, Mike? No, I don't think so. Either. Not big enough either. God, he just. I... I don't know. It's crazy. And then I sent you that thing yesterday. Uh, there was a tweet that people within the uh, Carolina organization, and you never know what you can freaking believe off of X or Twitter or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it said basically that um, that David Tepper, the the Carolina owner, uh, that they didn't want to draft the the coaches and the the GM didn't they wanted to go in a different direction I think they wanted to go with CJ Stroud or maybe Anthony Richardson over uh, Bryce Young but David Tepper um, or no this it was CJ Stroud it was CJ yeah Stroud. they wanted CJ Stroud this is a story as old as time Jeremy right. the owner thinking they know better than the the guys that have done this their entire lives mm. Tepper is a financial guy. And knows, you know, slush funds and, you know, mutual funds and all those other things. But he does not know football as an as at expert level yet. So you hire these guys to do a job and then you don't listen to them. Um, it's a problem. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That's for sure. So yeah, all right. Mike, I had on that one. All right. My game ball, I'm going to give to uh, offensive coordinator Ben Johnson. Called a really good game. It was balanced, almost 400 total yards uh, in offense, and a couple of really cool play calls. Uh, that triple reverse flea f- flicker for a TD, that was uh, a really cool play. Absolutely. Fun to watch. Yeah. Fun that, to watch. It was, yeah. Detroit was great. I won some money on Detroit this weekend. So I'm happy. Uh, good, good job by you. Thank you. All right. Moving on, Tennessee at Indiana. Indiana gets their first home win of the season versus their division rival, Tennessee. That's always good. Tennessee is a really tough team uh, to gauge week to week. That's kind of my uh, my take on them. I, I I don't bet them. I have no idea what, what team's going to show up on any given Sunday. So um, Tennessee's a tough, tough predict. What I mean, what are you doing – so my like kind of my second or third note here was I guess Tennessee's holding out hope that they can win this shitty division, but if I'm them, I'm like the Ryan Tannehill ship has sailed. Like I'm done. Like I'm dude, not... you're you're tank master general. That's, but I'm that's saying, all like, you don't, talk like, about. Let's Everyone see what, should let's tank. See what these Detroit should tank or not? Denver should tank. But Carolina should yes, tank. Yes, they. Sh- I mean, Tennessee I don't know about should Carolina should. Minnesota should Carolina doesn't have a first round pick. Carolina is the only team out of that group I would say should not tank. But I'm saying they could ship out all their players and get those first round picks back. But are you going to play? Hey, let's just get rid of Bryce Young. Our coach doesn't want him anyway. No, no. Like, I'm not saying that. They have a shitty coach, so I'm not saying that. But (laughs) no, but I mean, don't you want to see what Will Levis or Malik Willis can do at this point? Like, I mean, Ryan Tannehill can't play much worse. I think they're pretty bad. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, what's the, I, what's the incentive if they're better? Why are you keeping Tannehill in? If if they're better, why aren't they playing? I guess you think Vrabel's out there going, no, I really owe it to Tannehill to play him, even though he's playing really bad, and I have this amazing player that's sitting behind him. Do you think Vrabel's having that conversation with this team? But you you always hear like whenever uh, the whenever there's a young uh, at least first round pick. 
you always hear like, oh, we're going to let him learn behind this guy. And then it's generally like once Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, even if he's still doing somewhat decent and, but the Dolphins have lost six games, eight games already. It's like, well, all right, we're going to throw Tua in here. So like at what so point, we'll us, at what we'll point do you play third Will Levis? String. He's third what, string. Then what, what, at what point do you start Malik Willis? When they're better. Okay. All right. Well, that was my question. So I'm just wondering what you think. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I put, um, you know, everybody's going into the game wondering how Jonathan Taylor is going to play in his first game back. But Zach Moss went unconscious. So yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, the guy looks like a, a he's a starting caliber running back. Guy looks amazing. 23. Uh, I don't know, man. He, he looked, he looked at touchdowns. He looked the part this weekend, but the weekend before was is the reason that um, Jonathan Taylor got his contract because yeah, he that's, looked that's true. horrible the week before. <laughs> I guess you're right. So again, it's it, in, in large part it's about matchups. So to your, I have my game ball went to Zach Moss. He had a great day. Yeah. Um, on on a couple of days after, like we mentioned, Indianapolis gave Jonathan Taylor three years, forty two million dollars. He had almost 200 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns. It's a really, really good day. and But I think the week before he had like 33 yards or something like that. It was just like he's not consistently – he's not a what they used to – what they call now. I don't even know if they call him this. The, the bell cow, the one that you can just hand the ball off and you know what you're getting. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that develops. But this game, he was, he was really, really good. Looks good, yeah. So my spotlight went to Gardner Minshew. I thought I think we have to give him some like credit here. He came into the game uh, uh, for the second time this season due to an Anthony Richardson injury. He went 11 for 14 for 155 yards in relief and helped Indiana get 13 points on the board uh, in a huge um, divisional win. So good job by him coming in and doing what he needed to do to get this team the W. Yes, sir. Good All right, one. so warn a warning out there. Um, and I'll ask you this, um, man, Anthony Richardson. This is his second injury. Uh, he'll be he'll be miss missing a few games. I think he's on the pup for so it's at least four for that shoulder. Right. Um, this is not a good sign. He is not Cam Newton. He's not built like Cam Newton. He's a big dude for sure, but he has taken some shots. So this is something that if I was Indiana, I'd be really really scared of. Because you wasted a fourth round pick, you or you wasted, can't call it wasted yet. He they used a fourth uh, pick in the draft for to to pick this guy up, uh, a project um, for the most part, especially from the quarterback position, but a lot of talent. And if he can't stay on the field, I mean, is it a waste? Waste of a pick. So be yeah. careful. Yeah. Yep. You gotta you gotta keep him healthy, man. Got to teach him to slide. Got to do, I don't know what. I, I don't know. Cam Newton, I don't know. He was like Terminator. Like you, he, it, it took at least eight years before his body broke down. That shoulder started to go. But all of that is a result of him just taking on linebackers head to head over and over again. And Richardson seems to be out there trying to do that. It's not going so well. He has the hurt shoulder. He had the concussion at the beginning of the year. That's two major injuries. He's going to be missing at least five or six games throughout the season. That's, you know, a 30-year season 
is gone. Your starting quarterback can't be in the in the game because he's taking shots. Right. And Indiana's looks like a mess right now. All right. Uh, New York Giants at Miami. Um, man, New York Giants scored their first first quarter touchdown. It was a pick six by the defense. Um, so unfortunately, the uh, New York Giants offense is still inept. Um, I guess which is a problem when you play Miami. The Dolphins um, won this game 31 to 16, uh, but it didn't even feel that close. It no. just it looked like it was a route. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty bad from beginning to end for those guys. Um, they're just putting on a show offensively. I mean, I I don't know what you do. Um, only thing worrying me, even a slight amount, is Tua's thrown five interceptions in five games. Um, the sacks are starting to increase them. too. Uh, Devon A Chain or however you pronounce his name, A-chan. The, A-chan, A-chan. the rookie running yeah. back. He he got off to another great game. Had another great game, 150 yards and a TD. But it's been lost now for they they're saying probably two to four weeks. Uh, he's going to be out. Um, I think he's on the pup too, so minimum yeah. four weeks done. Tyree uh, Kill, Tyree Kill, just going crazy. Eight receptions, 181 yards. Uh, but you know, the Giants are not a good team so i don't know like really how to gauge them against against them i i, I did love the uh where jalen waddle got uh spun around like they were uh revving him up for his uh for his little waddle thing that, that he does. was amazing that was great um that yeah, was so and, and he was kind of like he, like he was hunched over and yeah. then he stood up it was yeah. it was so it like, was so good so my, right. uh, my my one other note mike is that how how much can Saquon Barkley and the offensive linemen who are currently injured coming back improve the Giants team? Not enough for it to matter. I mean, what are you going to get when Saquon comes back? Are you going to get a half a point from him per game? I don't. I don't think yeah. so. Yeah. Probably. All right. So my spotlight for this game was Miami turnovers. Uh, you mentioned this earlier. It's a little scary. Um, it seems like the only thing that can beat uh, Miami's offense is Miami's offense. Um, they have five turnovers in the last two weeks, eight uh, so far this year. It's almost two a game. Now, it could have been even worse because I believe Mostert fumbled the ball out of bounds uh, on, a, on a run, outside run. Um, uh-huh. They were able to retain that, but that's a lot of turnovers. They need to work on ball security. They're moving so fast. They got those things, that ball out there like a loaf of bread. Like, just bring it into the body, protect it. Three points, three point that ball and uh, stop, stop coughing it up. It's going to really, it, it really messes with their momentum. Cause if they don't, if they're not out in front scoring, 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 it's really hard for that team to be successful. I don't think their defense is good enough to have a you know, knockdown drag out with some some really some of the better teams out there. No, I mean so. Buffalo. Buff, the game against Buffalo last week proved that. So, yep. Uh, so my yeah, yeah go ahead. No, no oh. that's it. Go. My game ball. Uh, you mentioned them earlier. Uh, Devon Achan and Tyree Kill. They both get it. One fifty-one uh, and one TD. Eight 
181 and 1 TD, respectively. So good job by them. Uh, I think A-Chan hit 22 miles an hour on uh, one of his runs. That's the highest, 22 and a half miles an hour. That's one of that's the, that's the fastest of anybody in the league so far this year. So yeah, has a lot of speed on that team. Oh, Can't yeah. wait to, to to see him when he gets back. Absolutely. All right, moving on to New Orleans at New England. Um, you know, it's funny looking at the QB uh, stat lines for this game. Derek Carr and Mac Jones look equally inept. Um, the only real difference is Carr had two touchdowns and Mac had two interceptions. There isn't a lot more to say. You look at the team stats, they're virtually identical aside from those two points. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this was just an ugly game start to finish. Worst loss of Bill Belichick's career. Mac Jones pulled again, and Bailey Zappi looked equally as bad. Um, Alvin Kamara made made a productive uh, appearance this week, which was nice. He has my game ball, Alvin Kamara. I mean, yeah. really the only shining thing here. Um, yeah. It took him about a game to find his sea legs, but he aver- he had 100, yard, 100 all-purpose yards and a touchdown uh, in this game. Okay, and my question was where – I mean, so – New Orleans defense shut down New England from start to finish. Where do you where where does the Saints defense rank to you in like the grand scheme of things? Top ten, like bottom end of the top ten. I'd have to really take a look at the teams off the top of the head. I'd say bottom half of the top ten. Um, I don't know, maybe like nine thirteen range. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking maybe like eight to thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got on that game. Who's your, you said your game ball is going to, you have some other uh, takeaways from that one? Yeah. So Alvin Kamara gets my game ball. Um, my spotlight uh, is, and I think this is the most troubling thing of uh, from a new, new England perspective is their defense allowed back to back 30 point games. So the one thing that they could always hang their hat on was the stability of that defense, keeping games close and they've gotten blown out in back-to-back games. Um, so that's going to be a growing problem if they can't figure that out. Um, well, man, it, Christian Gonzalez and Matthew Judon both missed their yep. second consecutive game, or at least I think they missed most of They They got injured during the last game, I believe, and then missed all well, of them. I think Judon has a torn pec, so he's going to be out for a while. Yeah, and Gonzalez has a torn bicep, so I think he's out for a while as well. That was a rough game where they lost both of those players. Absolutely. I couldn't imagine just, man. Um, well, I really, this really feels like Belichick's last season with the Patriots. Um, I heard Bill Simmons kind of went into a little bit of a deep dive on this and hearing him say that was shocking. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, you know, I could believe it now after hearing that. So, well, they did mention maybe, you know, all the teams that would be like climbing over themselves to get Belichick the LA chargers don't call me the Clippers chargers right. are, are a prime candidate. They have a coach that no one's sure. Well, I think there are people that are sure that he's a bad coach, but um, they seem to kind of middle in the, in, in they have a decent roster. They have a manageable defense, couple better picks from a, from an offensive standpoint and man, put some pieces around, uh, Herbert and that, that team could take off. So I, I think I would like to see Belichick there. Um, I don't yeah, know. I think I mean, it'd be if you fun. Could bring Belichick in too, like 
probably going to be a lot easier to recruit guys to come play for you in LA than New England. Yeah. Well, they go to, they don't, they go to New England to win. <laughs> yeah. If you, can win, if you can win in LA, then it'd be a lot easier to recruit guys there, I'm sure. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, Baltimore at Pittsburgh. This felt like a typical Raven Steelers matchup. Um, the games just sound different. The, the hitting, um, just it's jarring to watch these games and it it just, it doesn't matter who's lining up on either side. It just, it's just different. Yeah. I I put it down. I knew this game was going to be close because they always are. I just figured Baltimore would be able to, to pull it out. I felt, I felt like Baltimore really lost a key moment this season that they could have kind of put a little kept a little bit of distance between themselves and Cincinnati that we'll get to. Um, this would have been the game to do that, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they Ravens couldn't score in the second half and the, the Steelers punch in two fourth quarter touchdowns to win the game. I mean, bonkers. Uh, well, that leads, that's a good segue into my spotlight for this game. And that's the Baltimore cool. drops. Um, there were several drops. There was a deep crosser to Zay Flowers, wide open, would have put him in the red zone. Worst case scenario, they'd have been in the red zone with a field goal attempt. Mark Andrews uh, passes right through his hand. He's standing on the U in, in Pittsburgh, you know, in the end zone. It was second in goal. Then on third in goal, Rashad Bateman drops a point blank, no contest pass in the end zone, dropped it straight on the second tee. They had to settle for a field goal there. Um, back to Zay Flowers, who dropped the potential first down pass in the two-minute drill before the half. Um, this is where uh, he, like TJ Watt, had punched him straight in the chest. <laughs> when he, when, I think he was trying to dislodge the ball and just turns around and just, <laughs> just jacked him. Um, same drive. Mark Andrews dropped a crosser. Fifty-one seconds left in the half with the with the lead ten three. He makes that puts him in field goal range. Like all sorts of different things can happen. Uh, North and uh, Nelson Aguilar uh, drops a for sure TD late in the third quarter. That would have uh, put Baltimore up 17-3. And again, Zay Flowers, a deep pass, uh, drifts. He drifts to the corner as opposed to taking that post um, and slips coming back to the ball. I think Lamar put it right on the hash, and that play would have to break it to the post to kind of slide in between the the trailing defender and the uh, safety over the top would have been a better way to go, but he just was drifting to that corner. So a lot, a lot of bad play by the uh, Baltimore receivers. Yeah. You know, on the pregame show and kind of leading up to it too, they were uh, really hyping up the fact that, Oh, like Lamar Jackson's finally going to have his full complement of receivers out there with Odell Beckham jr. Being back. Um, and, you know, Mark Andrews back to full health and all these guys. And, yeah, they just uh, – and Rashad Bateman back. And they just, yeah, dropped the ball. Do you think Mahomes called up Lamar and just said, man, I feel for you? I'm sure. I get – I feel your pain, bro. Yeah. All right. So my game ball goes to the Pittsburgh defense. Uh, their pass rush is relentless. Secondary dominated the second half. TJ Watt is playing just so fast right now. Had two sacks and a fumble recovery. It's just scary how fast and how how good he is. Yeah. Like he had that sack, took off his helmet and threw it. They got the 15-yard penalty, but it didn't matter. It was like 15 seconds left. And just that uh, rage and aggression at that moment was like, man, I would hate to have him barreling down on me. 
I agree 100 percent, man. Yeah, it's a, he's he's something else. Fun to watch. Absolutely. All right. My note for this AFC North wide open um, man with the win with the Bengals. And we'll get to more of that uh, a little bit later in this. Um, they're two and three. These games, these teams are right there, really packed at the top. So yeah, uh, exciting to see, see how this turns out. Fun to see how this one plays out. For sure. All right. Philly at the Los Angeles Rams. Um, Jalen Hurts threw for 303, a TD and an interception. Uh, as a team, they ran for 159 yards in a TD. Uh, I don't know how they won, uh, won by only nine points. Like, what is Philly missing here? I just don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. The, the Rams are so, – like my first note, Rams are scrappy as hell and just hung in there with the with the Eagles for, for the, you know, almost the entire game. Uh, Cooper Cup is back with yep. uh, him and Puka Nakua. Just I, I don't know how the hell people are going to deal with them. I think they had like 18 or 19 receptions between the two of them. They um, combined for 180, 189 yards receiving and a touchdown. They're my spotlight for today. Okay, okay. Um, it was it was funny because even Puka fumbled just to have Cooper Cup recover it for him. They seem sim- simpatico. Uh, there was a good observation uh, one of the podcasts I was listening to. I can't remember which one it was. Is that the inside uh, routes Cup was winning because they were playing outside leverage. But anytime they tried to get him out to the hash or out to the you know run any outs, he had a he had a tough time kind of getting open there. Um, what you mentioned, it's his first game back of the year, returning from a pretty significant hamstring injury. Um, he didn't seem to – he didn't look tired. Um, I, I just wonder if those German stem cells are, are the the thing that everyone should go get. I don't know what he's doing, what's in the water over there, but um, it's pretty impressive. Yeah, like I know just going out to play basketball after I didn't do it for a week, I would I would go out there and just just be sucking air. And he's just out there running around like he was doing it yesterday. That's good job. Hilarious. Yeah, good job by you. Um, yeah, you know, I was uh, I I was saying the um, my one of my notes surprised that Devonte Smith only caught one ball. Um little bit that was a little bit surprising for me and i said hard to nitpick an undefeated team but jalen hurts kind of is in that two attack of iloa category with me right now with the interceptions and he, he only has four in five games but only six touchdowns to go with those four interceptions and he's only throwing about 60 or his uh, qbr is only about 60 percent um completion percentage a little under 70 so he's taking a step back in a lot of his categories this year. And that just is a well, passing in particular, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, because he does have, he does have four rushing a, touchdowns. Yeah. He's, he's uh, running the ball at an elite level right now for sure. Yeah. So yeah, well, that's part of, that's passing. part of why, why you bring him into the building, right? That, yeah. that ability to run. Um, but you're to your point, passing stats are definitely not there. He had, a elite year last year, which led them to the Super Bowl. That's why they were there, that he was able to make those plays. They are like efficient offensively though, as well. So that's why it's so weird looking at this game and going, why, why did they only win by nine yards or by nine points? Yeah. They seem to have owned this game. I just, it's, it doesn't. 
Yeah, it's and I, I mean, I guess credit Los Angeles for for hanging in there with them. But yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like it should have been a lot more lopsided than it was. Um, yep. Yep. Um, so my game ball goes to the Philly offensive line. Um, there can the offense controlled the time of possession, 38 minutes to 22. I think that's a big part of why the score was what it was. They had a total of uh, 454 yards to 249 for, for the Rams. They ran 23 more plays and they ran successfully that what they call now the brotherly shove play uh, three to four times on short distance for, for con- converting third downs into first downs. And they actually used it on the goal line for the rushing TD as well. So um, yeah, it's, it's a really efficient play for them. I think they should keep it in, stop messing with stuff, let teams play, let teams do the things that they're good at. <clears throat> Yeah, I agree. So I do have one warning for uh, Philadelphia fans. For the, all, of, all of you on um, Eagles Island, um, the middle defense in the secondary of Philly uh, is getting cooked. Um, if they don't figure this out, uh, I, don't, I don't think they'll be at the top of the NFC when the, when the dust settles. It's really hard uh, to watch them just, just get beat deep and in the middle and just, you know, chunk uh, – chunk run plays uh, run off against them and just like go, Oh, this is an elite team. That's going to be there when it's, you know, 13 degrees <laughs> in Philadelphia or whatever. I just, right. I don't know. I, I, I hope they get that squared away um, soon. Cause I really, you know, as you know, I'm a, I have a property on Eagles Island um, and I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like, I'd like, I'd like it to appreciate. <laughs> All right. All right, Cincinnati at Arizona. Um, this is probably the biggest blowout of Arizona this year so far. Uh, Cincinnati kind of limped in uh, to the Phoenix area. Joe Burrow, for the first time, threw for 300 yards. Joe Mixon had a good day, uh, adding about 100 uh, all-purpose yards. And I feel like Josh Dobbs kind of fell back to earth a bit. Um, the defensive, uh, the Cincinnati defense, particularly the front seven was pretty good. Three sacks, eight quarterback hits and, uh, three forced turnovers. So a rough day for uh, Josh jobs and the, those, those Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, notes for this one, Bengals look like the team we all expected them to be this year. Mm. Just kind of reiterating your Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon points. And then Jamar Chase, I'm assuming, probably got your game My ball. game ball. My game ball. Yep. He just Mr. I, I I'm he, always open. Yeah, I put he probably put Jamar Chase proved that he really is always open. Uh, did you look at did you look at the breakdown? I watched a like a video of the 15 catches that he had in that game. Only the first one did not go for a first down or a touchdown. The following 14 receptions were either for a first down or for a touchdown. And a lot of them were eight yards deep of the line to gain. And I'm just like, this dude was so determined to make an impact in this game. And man, he did for sure. I love that 63 yard touchdown pass that he caught like in rhythm, just, just beat a dude deep, caught it, got it into the end zone. Yeah, really I mean, crazy. and uh, you know, I was still, I, I'm still the 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 Rams and the Cardinals are impressing the hell out of me just because of their scrappiness and hanging in these games. I mean, and not not just not letting teams, even if a team gets ahead of them, they still are able to keep it close until the fourth quarter. And 
that's what well, we mentioned that I think week one or week two, they just have that trouble. They, they play a really good 45 minutes. Yeah. And then yeah, they have trouble it out. They just finishing can't, they it can't out. Quite do it, but yep. You know, good for them. They, they have a win over the Cowboys that doesn't look as good as it did last week, but uh, you know, yeah, they're, they're definitely not, they're no pushover, not an easy. No, win. no, for sure. Um, I, just to add my spotlight, uh, Cincinnati is uh, two and three and fourth in the AFC North at the moment. Um, they're at home versus Seattle next week. And then they have a bye. Um, then they're at San Francisco, Buffalo, Houston, at Baltimore, Pittsburgh, at Jacksonville. It's a really tough stretch, um, uh, but it's not unreasonable, just kind of looking at that, for them to be 8-4 and four going into uh, the next part of the season, the last quarter of the season. So it'd be interesting to see how they come out uh, after all of this. And... Um, if they can keep playing like this, I think they can beat maybe not San Francisco, but they can beat the likes of Buffalo, Houston, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Jacksonville. If this is though that those that sixty-three yard uh, chase catch is what separates that team uh, from the other teams at the top of the AFC, their ability to get that big play and move the ball that efficiently downfield is the difference. That's their superpower. And if they can find that again, they're going to be a contender. Yeah. Well, I'm already convinced that Seattle Seahawks play them this weekend. I'm con- as a Seahawks fan, I'm convinced we're not winning that game. It's in Cincinnati as well. So anyway, that's we'll that. see. That's all Spe- speaking of week over the middle. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to the New York Jets at Denver. Um, Man, I found myself fully entrenched in this game. Um, I think mostly because I had uh, the the Jets money line, but um, the Jets got into, got to 31 in a really strange way. You know, if you look at it, so they have five field goals, one offensive touchdown, one defensive touchdown and a safety, but man, they looked I mean, I wouldn't say really good, but there's moments and times where they just look like they were like a really good top tier team um, against Denver. Um, yeah, my notes, I had, it's a good thing that the Jets have a running game because even though he played better, I'm not sure Zach Wilson is, I put, is I think he regressed from that Kansas city game actually. Yeah. Yeah. I put, I'm not sure Zach Wilson's an NFL QB. Maybe I'll, he's, Probably an NFL QB. I'm not sure he's a good NFL QB on any level, but uh, I put not to be outdone. Mr. Unlimited looked like a dumpster fire, uh, had an intentional grounding call in the end zone for a safety, also fumbled the ball down three late in the fourth quarter uh, that was scooped and scored. And this is after Patrick Sertan uh, had the dick pick. um, (laughs) Off of a terrible uh, Zach Wilson, uh, off terrible Zach Wilson uh, throw down the field that, you know, like they were, uh, they, they were close to field goal range and he just lobbed it up down the field and it got picked off by Patrick Sertan. So, so you bring up a really good point. My spotlight for this game was turnovers. Um, there were five total turnovers, two by the jets, three by Denver. Um, but much more, but much worse than this, each team had four fumbles. Um, New York, just lost just one and Denver lost three. 
Um, and, you know, that defensive touchdown with Bryce Hall recovering it uh, for, for a game ceiling touchdown. That really is kind of like, all right, we scored a touchdown when it was close. We won. So, um, oof, well, those and, turnovers. And, uh... I'm sure that you, it didn't slip past you that Sean Payton was chewing Russell Wilson's ass coming off the field at the end of that game. And I stand by my, uh, I think it's two and a half more games that. um, I mean, what are you going to do at this point? I mean, what are you going to not stand by what you said over and over again? Of course I'm going to stand by it. Mike. (laughs) What I do. Let's, Let's look at his numbers real quick. So he's 20 for 31 for 196. Yardage isn't really that good, I suppose. I had two passing touchdowns, another 50 yards rushing. He he was doing a pretty good job uh, moving the sticks. Um, And he did have one lost fumble. So he had one turnover to to go with those numbers. 196 obviously is not the yardage that you want to see. But he was getting directly responsible for nine uh, Jets points with the safety and the fumble recovered for a touchdown. I mean, sure. Well, yeah, eight points, but. Oh yeah, whatever. I, I would say, I would say that there's some part of that. That's Russell. It's also part of it. That is line. He was under pressure, like almost immediately in the end zone um, for that safety. But I don't know. You want to make it about Russell. I'm making it about the Denver as a team. They don't look like they're playing together well. They have moments where they can move down the field. Russell seems to be the only one that's holding this together. He's the only one that's consistent every single week. So I don't know. He hasn't been consistent every week. But the thing is, is that if he He has, though. But if he doesn't play well, it turns into a dumpster fire. That's like that's the one. Like, I'll agree with you there. Like, he he did not play well in this game on Sunday, and they got beat. But I'm saying, like, the games that they have lost by a, a small amount, like, the or won, the Chicago game, he was the reason they won. The, uh, the, what, the, he, the, he held him in the Raiders game until the very last minute as well. But, um, I mean, yeah, the, there's this, not a this- lot. This isn't the NBA. There are at least 40 different people on a on playing in a game at any given time. There's too many variables to go. It is all Russell's fault. Now, you can say that is a disproportionate problem or there's a disproportionate um, dysfunction with our family, our, our, our team that is related to Zach Wilson, for example. Like, he's not making throws. He is fumbling the ball he is getting sacked because he's running (laughs) into it yeah so you can there are some players that are like and there are some plays that russell makes where you could go man what are you doing just throw the ball away or whatever i'm not saying that those plays don't exist for russell i say that disproportionately it is not russell's fault it is Cortland sutton fumbling three times and losing that um that that bears game there's all sorts of other players that are contributing to that the fact that they can't block all of a sudden the fact that their defense has regressed from top five top six to like bottom of the barrel not have you know not being able to stop other teams that becomes a problem i don't know 
Well, if they get, I, th- if they, I, if I they think, lose... I think Peyton has bigger things to worry about right now than the, than Russell Wilson and his effectiveness right now in the game. Cause he's the best player that he has on that team right now. Well, he just doesn't seem very happy with him from the looks of it. But anyway, he, uh, I think Peyton the... is projecting. I think he's unhappy with himself for taking the job Probably. and he's, he's got, he's, he better get a big shovel because he's got to dig himself out of this. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see because they, they then they have to travel to Kansas City this week on Thursday night football. That does not look not like fun. Not so fun. I don't know what they're gonna. Could be one the, of those bizarro the, days, though. It is a Thursday. That's true, and but they're all like all the talking heads are saying that if uh, they lose, that it's probably uh, sell off time in Denver. So we'll see what happens. Again, they're shopping. They're they're trying to shop Judy, Jerry mm-hmm. Judy, and people been been calling about Patrick Sertan. So that's, yeah. that's, yeah, we see, who knows what's Frank, going on. Frank Clark. I keep forgetting Frank Clark is there too. I saw Frank Clark maybe on the moon. I don't know. Randy I don't know. That. Not a huge fan. All right. Game ball. Let's get this out. Breeze hall deserves it. Great, mm-hmm. great day running the ball. Um, it basically allowed the New York giants to mitigate Zach Wilson, which is great, ran for 177 and a, and a touchdown. That touchdown on that drive was so necessary to, to propel them. I think they took the lead. They got the um, shortly thereafter um, the safety and then the defensive touchdown. That really sealed the deal. So yeah. uh, good job there. Absolutely. All right. Casey in Minnesota. Uh, this is kind of a dumpster fire. Statistically, these teams were virtually identical. The difference is Josh Oliver's fumble first play of the game. This flipped the field position. Casey scored nine plays later, and Minnesota was never able to overcome that. It's funny. Like, you're 12 seconds into this game, and it's over because of that play. And I think that describes the Minnesota season more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been tough. Um, yeah, I put – that you know the game was tied at halftime before the Chiefs got things going in the third quarter Minnesota tried to pull a comeback fell short Justin Jefferson Travis Kelsey both end up injured at the end of this game Travis Kelsey left the game I knew I knew Travis was coming back I watched it was like everyone's like oh no what happened yeah is it it, is it it well I mean once they showed the replays like he just he just rolled his ankle okay yeah He'll be fine. Um, yeah, and then Justin Jefferson got put on the pup list um, with a with four weeks with a hamstring. hamstring. Yep. Yeah, okay. Um. Yeah. Um. What happens to Kirk Cousins, Mike? You think he gets moved to a contender? Honestly, um, the more that this goes this direction, the more they might try to get people out of the way, like. Kirk Cousins is good. He can give us some wins. We need to move him. And we we don't want to pay him next year. We want to see, we want to go into this quarterback class of 2024. And we want to see what's available. We might be able to find another Kellen Mond. Um, that's a joke, by the way. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's becoming more likely that they could move from Kurt. And I think he's a viable starter that, can help a team win a Super Bowl, um, and hopefully he can 
be on a team that helps mitigate some of those mistakes that he makes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it in depth uh, yesterday or last week, how he, his turnovers essentially accounted for like some nine or 12 points uh, almost directly uh, from Philly. Um, so that's a pretty big impact to a game uh, to be negative points. Um, it's not, not a good thing if you're a quarterback. Um, my spotlight for this game, Minnesota is now one in four. Their best player, as you mentioned, Justin Jefferson, uh, out with a hamstring. Um, Good news, San Francisco aside, the rest of their season is pretty winnable. And here's here's the one thing I go, hmm, maybe they do stick with Kirk Cousins if they can do this. They have two more. They have two games at Chicago, two games at Green Bay, both winnable, two at Detroit. Maybe they can split at home. Atlanta, New Orleans, Denver, Las Vegas, and Cincinnati, all winnable games. So if they can pull this together, maybe they can go 12 or uh, 13 and four. Maybe they can go 11 and um, six. Like maybe they can make the playoffs. So they have a very, very soft season or a soft schedule rather. Um, They can still do this. I think the next two to three games, if they lose – if they go one and six, I think you start looking at. Do you know when the um the trade deadline is? Uh, it's on Halloween. Okay, end of the month. All right, we'll we'll know by the end of the month what this team's trying to do for sure. Yeah, I think four o'clock Eastern time on uh on October thirty first. Look, looking forward to that. All right, uh, my game ball. I'm sure it's yours as well, Patrick Mahomes. I think he's the best player on the field. Uh, it's kind of a lazy pick, uh, but he just was better than anyone else. He had a 281 yards passing two DDs, two TDs um, and bonus. He really didn't have to scramble for his life in this game. He had, he had zero rushing yards, which meant he was able to stay in the pocket and do his damage from there. Um, and he did enough uh, to win this game. I thought. Yep. I agree. All right. Let's move on to Dallas, San Francisco. This game was so much fun to watch. Um, them Cowboys. That was my <laughs> first note. We've we've mentioned this before. The concept of the season one of this podcast was to analyze undervalued teams throughout the years, right? That was uh, that idea was predicated on the undervaluation of the San Francisco 49ers in the 1990s. This is why this matchup is so important, this Dallas-San Francisco matchup. Um, there's a documentary out there about it and how important it has been over the years. Uh, it's especially been important over the last 40 years as these teams kind of um, or have been at the top of the NFC um, for quite some time now. Um, and, man, this this game happened exactly how I would have dreamed. So I was re- it was a really really fun game. Yeah, um, my notes obviously I said how about them Cowboys was the first thing I put down. Um, I I don't know how I was fooled by this team. Um, so like so fooled by this team because you know what they they lost Arizona, blown out by the 49ers. And then the only teams that they beat, Mike, are the two New York teams and the Patriots. Like I, the, those are arguably three of the worst teams and three of the five worst teams in football. Seven worst teams, ten worst teams, something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just doesn't look good. And, and barring injury, I don't know how anyone is going to stop San Francisco. 
it's really pick your poison uh, with them. One game, it's, you know, Debo Samuel going was, off. One game, it's McCaffrey. This game, it was uh, George Kittle. Man. George Kittle, like, yeah. And George Kittle's I was been trying to come up. I was trying to come up with clever things like uh, uh, run D- uh, DMG, like, uh, like some nicknames for them. The Three yeah. Amigos, that seemed like, you know low-hanging fruit i was trying to be clever come up with some stuff i i had about four or five that i brainstormed but i cut it out <laughs> of this bit but um yeah to your point those three guys on the field at the same time with that defense it's all they're almost unstoppable yeah. you, you, the rest of the nfl is like i hope i i don't wish injury on anybody but i hope yeah, one or two they, of these guys get hurt. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how else somebody's going to stop them. Uh, my man, my one last note on this game is that I owe Brock Purdy an apology. He can read the field and assess what's going on at a very high level. And it's, I mean, it, it, he just, is he's getting week better after week. He's getting better like week to week. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Still uh, my spot have the biggest arm, but he can read the defense. He can read what's going on in the, in, in the offense. And he's just this offense right doesn't play. require the big arm. Yeah, he's just making the right play every time. And right. it's, it's got to be smart. Stop. Yeah. Uh, my spotlight for this game is uh, we've entered rainy season. Love it. Love it. <laughs> this is where uh, Rain Prescott starts throwing all his interceptions. Uh, apparently, Mike McCarthy says he's running uh, what he calls the Texas Coast offense. Such a such a fool. Um, by this, I assume not pushing the ball downfield because um, that's they're not doing that at all. The average depth of target is only six and a half yards. Uh, Rain has five TDs and uh, four interceptions in five weeks. So um, they look like I mean he didn't have to do much because his defense was dominating and he just had to do, like not turn it over a little ball management. Um, but every time that that they need the offense to step up and do something. They just can't just can't do it. Right. Um, that's a, that's going to be a huge problem, especially in the playoffs when they start playing like really good teams. Um, so moving on game ball, uh, George Kittle, you mentioned him earlier. He had three catches for 67 yards and three TDs, a really impressive day uh, for him. Um, I think more importantly than that, however, was his ability to block the edge he kept the the Dallas defensive ends off Brock Purdy all day there were at least I think three or four highlights that they had in that game where he was one-on-one with Parsons and not dominating but doing enough to give Purdy that two to two and a half seconds to get to his second read and with that it's all that was needed yeah. Oh, and side note, CMC scored a TD. That brings his streak to 14 games, ties him uh, with Emmett Smith's record. So I, I wanted to call that out as well. That's impressive, man. Good for him. Yeah. You should have one this weekend too. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Green Bay at Las Vegas, Monday Night Football. Uh, interesting game. <laughs> I would call it fun. Um my only point here was free Devonte Adams, and then then several exclamation parts uh, points following that. Uh, my spotlight is Jordan Love. 
Uh, he looks like he has the physical tools to play the game, but doesn't appear to be ready from a processing perspective. His first two picks were horrendous, like really not even seeing the field. He sees a flash of his dude and he just throws it to a spot, not seeing all the readers around him. Um, there, in those two cases, there were multiple defenders that could have uh, intercepted his pass. So I'm not sure what he's doing um, right now. Um, he's definitely not good enough. He's a, he's a lot. He's not as good as I expected him to be based on what I saw in the preseason. I know it's preseason. I also saw moments of that brilliance, like in the Atlantic game, for example. Um, there's moments where he's just like getting the ball downfield. It's precise. He's, he's moving around. He throws well on the run. And then the rest of the time is just like nothing. Yeah. Nothing. You know, I don't know my, my notes for this game. I don't know if Jordan love is good. Uh, yeah. Interceptions last night and wasn't particularly sharp when he wasn't throwing interceptions. Yep. Um, and then I put, so I saw an interesting take, I had two interesting takes about this that I wanted to bring up um, on, on a podcast. I'm not sure which one it was, but um, one was, do you think we're more down on Jordan Love because we, if after you've been in the league for three years and you've been sitting behind like a Hall of Famer or a, sitting behind learning, like Patrick Mahomes came in and like hit the ground running was off to the races immediately. Like I kind of expected Jordan love to be maybe not on that level, obviously, but I think Mahomes is an outlier. You can kind of toss that out. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just, I feel like when quarterbacks sit, they're usually, they usually have a better success at least early on, but maybe I don't think there's any statistics to back that up. And then the other thing that I saw was that, um, the line of kind of demarcation for quarterbacks shouldn't be like Kirk Cousins. It should actually be Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy Garoppolo is about the most boring, like middle of the road quarterback that you're going to see on a weekly basis. Like he's not going to do, he's not going to win you a game. He's most likely not going to lose you a game. He's, but you know, he's just kind of blah. So I think, yes, I think he's more the middle than um, than Kirk Cousins is. I think Kirk Cousins, to your point, is probably top 10 to 12 this year. Last year, he's maybe top eight. Mm-hmm. Um, his numbers are still pretty good. Um, like passing numbers, touchdown numbers have always been pretty good. Uh, those mistakes, though. Um, but, yeah, Jimmy is – just like a nothing burger it's just empty calories it's like a can of coke he's just like there's no purpose to it um going into last week um i had this is like off off subject a little bit but um, i just happened to look at the seahawks schedule and starting on thanksgiving night we have a four game it looked a lot worse before the 49ers blew out the Cowboys on a Sunday, but we have a four week span starting on Thanksgiving night where we play the 49ers, Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles, four straight games. Sorry. So yeah, home for 49ers on Thanksgiving at Cowboys at 49ers home versus the Eagles. I'm curious if that, if there's a tougher four game uh, 
four game trek in uh, in the NFL this year because that looks pretty rough. And maybe now the Cowboys aren't. Well, we'll see what we what Dallas looks like when we get there. But yeah, that's a really tough one. Yeah. So. All right, not to not to skimp on my game ball for this game. I gave it to Max Crosby. Uh, he and Devontae Adams are the only thing things that uh, Las Vegas does well. Max had five tackles, um, four tackles for loss and a sack in that win. So kind of was the game changer, the, the, the wrecker out there. Yeah. All right. All right, man. That's it. Let's, um, let's look forward at week six. Um, so is there any games that you're particularly interested in? You know, I looked, Mike, I looked through these, this this is not like uh, on paper. This is not a great week of NFL football games. I didn't think my, the three games I put down that I'm looking forward to. I mean, obviously any week that we get to watch NFL football is a good week at the end of the day. uh, We're picking nits for sure. Right. Right. Uh, So the three I put down Seattle and Cincinnati, I think that's probably like the marquee game of the week for the most part. Um, Philadelphia at Cincinnati or at at Philadelphia at the New York jets. Um, I just kind of want to see where that, where that jets team is at. Um, after coming off the win in Denver and then um, Denver at Kansas city, just because I'm petty as fuck and want to see Denver get smashed, I guess. Like, So I, I just, I think you are, and I know you don't like Russell as a result. And I just think sometimes the takes get a little aggressive in that. And just like, I, I don't know. I agree. I'm not, no, I'm not, trust me, like everybody listening now, you guys all know I'm emotional, I'm emotional and uh, I, you know, wear my heart on my sleeve. So it's sometimes it, uh, it, it clouds my judgment to say the least. Well, I'm definitely tracking that Seattle at uh, Cincinnati game as well. A uh, big game for both uh, teams, like going to get this win from Seattle before they go in kind of the teeth of that schedule that you mentioned before, this is an important win for them to go into that stretch um, like five and one starting five and one. I mean, that's, that's important. Cincinnati on the other hand, they're still battling for a position. They're good enough to be at the NFC, the top of the AFC North rather. Um, They just need to get that momentum. Uh, Burrow looks a lot better. He's moving around a lot better uh, against Arizona. Uh, And if they're on point, uh, that Seattle defense at times has showed the inability to consistently cover anybody. So um, we'll see. They played a pretty bad New York Giants team last week and just kind of like trashed them. We'll see how well they do against a, a better, what I view as a better team. Yeah, it, it, would um, be, it would be four and one, not five and one if we get this win. But yeah, because um, we had the bye. But this next, these next three oh, games. Oh, four and one. Sorry, you're right, you're right. You're yeah, right, these right. next three games, I mean, at the Bengals, home versus Arizona, home versus Cleveland. Like that's if you can get through those three games unscathed going into the the second half of your schedule. Now you're playing with fire. So I also uh, I am also tracking San Francisco at Cleveland. Um, This is kind of like the battle of the quote unquote top defenses in the league. Um, I think Cleveland's offense is an absolute dumpster fire right now. So I'm not sure even with that great defense, I think the numbers for Cleveland's defense are going to drop because they're going to be on the field so much. They, they, you can't help, um, but kind of regress. 
Um, I think San Francisco is hands down the best team in the league right now. Um, I don't see any flaws with them at the moment. Uh, Again, depth, depth on the, you know, those three players, you lose any of those three players or starting quarterback. Now we're talking, but uh, they don't have a lot of depth in from a skill player perspective, but damn, they are on a a complete team right now. Um, I threw Indianapolis at Jacksonville in there because those two teams are kind of like the winner of this leads the uh, AFC South, which, you know, obviously means quite a bit. Um, And I'm also still holding out for my Trevor MT uh, MVP um, vote or it's at plus two, 2000 right now. So yeah, plus 2000. So 20 to one come down from Nah, it's, it's holding at 20 to one right now. Yeah. So um, we'll see that. I just want to see how that, if does, does he take off? Do they figure it out? Jacksonville after these kind of back-to-back wins, do they figure it out? I got Detroit at Tampa Bay. I think this is actually going to be a rough game for Detroit. I think Tampa Bay's defense is good. Um, and the Tampa Bay offense is pretty plucky. So we'll see, you know, at home, yeah. Tampa Bay, can they beat Detroit? Um, we'll see how good Detroit really is. This is a top tier team, probably top, top half of the NFC right now. Um, so they have to win this game in order to be considered, uh, at the top of that. And then I also threw in Dallas at the chargers. I want to see what the chargers can do against this defense, what Herbert can do against this defense. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the ones I want to watch. I'll, I'll keep my eyeball on uh, as far as bets going. I have Sam. I took San Francisco um, minus five and a half at Cleveland. Um, I took Seattle plus three at Cincy and I took, which is rare for me yeah. to bet on Seattle. I don't bet and on then I, t- and I took uh Philly uh, minus seven at the jets. So I'm, I'm leaning into that Philly pick. Okay. Um, yeah. My, uh, my three games that I picked, uh, I picked Kansas City minus 10.5 against Denver. I just think that that Denver defense is atrocious. And I don't, even if Travis Kelsey ends up needing the week off because it's on short, short rest. Uh, just a lot of points. Yeah, I, it is. I was worried I about the those, points. I hate those big point spreads too, but I just feel like I, I'm really <laughs> like, I, I listened to the Bill Simmons podcast this week and he was talking about that this is his teaser game of the week. And I've been playing around with teasers quite a bit, which is where you make a two, three or four team or, or as many as you want team bet. And uh, you get, you can buy like across the board, like five points or six points or eight points. Like there's different uh, options. And then it'll be worth different values, like plus 300, I think a four team parlor or four team teaser with, uh, adding five points to every point spread, whichever direction you're trying to, to bet it um, will pay you out like plus 300. So it's, it kind of makes it fun and, and uh, you know, brings those point spreads down. So I might mess with that a little bit. Uh, my second game though, Minnesota minus two and a half at Chicago. Um, just still not convinced Chicago is any good. And I think Minnesota's offense can score some points, but obviously I don't, I don't know if that's true with, with, without Justin Jefferson. Jefferson might be tough, but I'm their running Cam, game is horrible. I'm hoping Cam Akers can step up and, and take some of that uh, running game load. Um, I think I put this bet. Down. What is his 16 yards or whatever it was last week? Wasn't enough. Uh, and then Indianapolis plus four at Jacksonville. 
Um, just think that I think Gardner Minshew gives them a better chance to win um, than than Richardson. Just from a because both of those players are off schedule, they excel better in the off schedule. I don't know. I mean, well, maybe uh, Anthony's younger, and you just I think he more takes unpredictable, more risks. But yeah, and like I mean, he's out there getting getting smacked around. Minshew's a gunslinger, man. He'll throw it. He'll throw it out there and just see what happens. That's yeah. the one thing I, I, I that the X factor with him. I enjoy watching uh, Gardner Minshew. So yeah, so those are my three. I want to circle back on your on your Chiefs pick, and it's ten and a half, right? Minus they're they're ten and a half point favorites right now um, over Denver. Now looking at their their score, aside from the Bears game where they won, they won forty one to ten with Taylor in the building and all of the hubbubaloo, mm-hmm. um, the rest of their games are one point, eight points, three points four uh, uh seven point wins so they're not exactly burning all the barns oh, wherever no. they go and, and again man i'm not even i'm not betting that game in real life that's for this for the podcast <laughs> <laughs> like i don't i don't i didn't like i really don't like any there was no spreads that really jumped out to me this week i wasn't like, you notice i i, I, I just noticed i took only uh away teams in my bets that's interesting i've I've done that a couple times this year already and i'm like just noticed home or uh betting against home underdogs is not always the best best uh, it's not the best strategy (laughs) for for winning games oh shoot all right cool all right done looking forward um you had a question for me this week yeah i so i had a great question for you and then i forgot it um and i've not been able to remember should have wrote it down on a napkin i was i was in the middle of all the games on sunday i'm like oh this is the perfect question for mike and then i didn't write it down uh so i came up with Will the Dallas Cowboys ever make it back to a Super Bowl with Jerry Jones running the team? All right. So I'm going to preface it like this. You know, and maybe some of our listeners have picked this up as well, is that I'm not the biggest fan of Jerry Jones. Uh, He's the epitome of the guy that was born on third base and thinks he hits a triple kind of thing. He's also the guy that profited off freezing families in 2001. Um, So I don't think he's a particularly good guy. I don't think he's particularly smart um, at what he does. I don't think he's a good GM or president or owner. Uh, For some reason, people are scared of him. People listen to him in the NFL from an ownership perspective. I think that might be changing a little bit. He's an old head now. Um, I won't say no to your question because – if, if he has the sense to do this again, to allow someone better than him to, uh, to do it, I feel like there's a chance. So he let Jimmy Johnson come in, was the GM, created a team that he wanted, uh, and had back-to-back championships before they started butted he- butting heads and trading people that Jimmy Johnson didn't want to have happen, and, and it turned into – a point where Jimmy's like, I'm out. And he won another Super Bowl, Jerry, two years later, um, with essentially the same team that that Jimmy had built. But since that time, they've been middle of the road at best. So um, I would assume 
uh, because he has Mike McCarthy in there right now, which is basically a, a puppet lapdog. Can he be both? Um, I, I don't, I don't see it happening. Their offense is bad. Um, his draft picks, um, I don't know, hit and miss at best. He likes the white middle linebackers. Um, could, uh, could Jerry Jones pay Bill Belichick enough money to coach the Cowboys? I don't think Bill Belichick wants to be to have an owner like him. Yeah, I'm sure. Bill Belichick's going to want autonomy and not all of the the Joneses in his grill asking him why he, you know, traded their their best asset who had another two years left on his schedule on his contract because Bill wants you know first round picks or something. Yeah. Okay. Because he's about the splash, right, Jerry Jones? I want to go out and get Deion Sanders. He doesn't care about it. He doesn't really care about winning. He pretends like he does. But if he did, if winning was the ultimate thing, you step aside and you allow the professionals, people who do this for a living, people that understand analytics and what they're looking for and how to build a team, um, you listen to those guys and you let them build the team for you and you stay out of it. That's not That's not his M.O. Yeah. And I think because of that hubris, I don't think he'll ever see a Super Bowl again. I agree, I think. You think? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's not winning another one or getting to it. But you can't be – you can't be – I mean, all, all sorts of weird things happen. Yeah. I Good things put, happen to bad people money. all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I wouldn't put money on it, that's for sure. Yeah, there you all go. All right, that, so take take corner, Mike. I'm gonna let you just go ahead. I don't have any. Big I don't. I don't have any takes. Okay, uh, I, I I updated the Trevor Tracker. Uh, like I said, he had 315 yards on 68 percent touchdown. Um, he had uh, tw- 31 yards rushing. I still at 20 to one for MVP odds. I think this is the make or break time for him over the next couple of weeks. If he can pull off a couple of. Um, stellar games with an efficient offense have a couple of wins here we're going to see those mvp odds increase but he's got some work ahead of him but we still have i don't know what 12 games left or so yeah yeah i mean i I don't think it's probably not a bad spot to get in on him at if you're if you're feeling frisky so well i was frisky at 16 to 1 Mm -hmm. um i'm definitely frisky at 2001 if it if or uh, 20 to 1 if it if it goes any worse if he plays any worse or kind of middle of the road like he is i'll i'll have to eventually yeah um drop out all right so our diversity section that's our next uh, part of the podcast um my first one is uh r.i.p dick buckus um mm-hmm. born december 9th 1942 in chicago Uh, The child of two Lithuanian immigrant parents was a true Chicago son. Uh, He played his college ball at the University of Illinois and was drafted third overall by the Chicago Bears, a pick they acquired from Pittsburgh. Uh, That was right before uh, fellow Hall of Famer Gail Sayers with the fourth pick. Um, In his uh, college and professional career, he amassed too too many uh, accolades to really mention here. Um, but even though he retired uh, from the NFL three years before I was born, he was omnipresent in my life and a benchmark for toughness um, that everyone needs to compete in the NFL. So 
was sorry to see him go. It's just like one of those, like Ray Liotta for me, like, oh, Ray Liotta died. Yeah. And it just it takes a minute to like sink in to like what that actually meant and how present Ray Liotta has been in my life and how present Dick Buckus has been, in, you know, in my life. And just kind of, yeah. it's weird to have those people not there anymore. Rest in peace for sure. Yeah, sad. I and that that kind of got announced right as the uh Chicago Washington game was getting ready to kick off on uh Thursday night last week. So it's right. pretty shocking, man, definitely. So yeah. All right, do you have yeah, do you have any more or is that your only one? I, I got one more. It's a little long, okay. but you know, if you um, got a couple I got a couple quick ones. Um, I don't know how this really slipped under our radar, but the XFL and the USFL are merging. Um yep. Don't have a lot of details yet, but it. Um, I did watch a video and then I couldn't find it. Um, on and it sounded like Seattle is going to keep their team. Las Vegas. It sounds like more of like the U. The XFL is absorbing the USFL, and they're going to take a few teams. They're going to get rid of a few teams from the XFL and bring in a few teams from the USFL. So I think it's only going to still be like a twelve-team league, or maybe sixteen at the most. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it probably probably the best hope for having a successful spring league is having one really powerful spring league as opposed to multiple uh, kind of filling, you know, filling the vacuum for football fandom, I guess. Uh, Some franchises. So it looks like it's probably a good thing to not compete against another, you know, organization right? Um, for the same eyeballs. So yeah, good job. Yeah. We'll, we'll so, see how it turns out for them though. Not a lot of details to your point about, about the merger out right now. Right. Um, and then my, my one other one, it, it's a little bit longer, but um, so Japanese high school phenom Rintaro Sasaki has decided to skip the Nippon professional baseball draft and instead is going to attend an American university to play college baseball. Uh, Suzuki is, or Suzaki is the career high school home run record holder. And in Japan, like high school baseball is everything. They televise the, the national championship there and all kinds of stuff. Um, there's some question that, um, as to whether he would be, able to have an nil deal as foreign student as a foreign student athlete uh most of those are on a an f1 student visa which prohibits students from off-campus employment unless it's part of their academic program of study although former uh kentucky basketball star oscar shibway uh, was able to fulfill his nil requirements while the team was out of the country uh, playing in a preseason basketball tournament in the Bahamas. So there are ways around it. He could shoot some commercials while off, you know, off, uh, you know, if they play in any kind of uh, off campus or uh, out of the country uh, baseball tournaments or something like that. But um, interesting just to kind of, I mean, you know, these baseball stars in Japan is kind of notorious for getting overworked in high school and in the early minors before they come to the U S and a lot of them, especially pitchers, end up having to have Tommy John surgery within a year or two of coming over. Um, and it takes some of the the hitters a little while to kind of acclimate to 
the speed of big league and minor league pitching. So it'll be interesting to see um, some, something to keep an eye on. Right on. All right. My, my uh, last thing for diversity here, um, I read this article in fortune uh, called uh, downtowns are dead, dying or on life support. Um, it was a very interesting article about the kind of current situation of our downtown areas. Not Seattle's a perfect example of this, San Francisco, New York, uh, Chicago in particular. Um, so in the, in the 1980s, Reagan administration allowed uh, for quicker depreciation of commercial real estate. This lowered the effective tax rate for developers, caused an influx of capitalization from foreign investors uh, for safe long-term investments and probably a little money laundering while they're at it. Um, this combined you know, with lower interest rates, essentially cheap money, and the city government's eagerness to generate tax revenue, um, downtown real estate uh, grew and now takes up over 75% of, real, of total real estate in downtown areas. I think that's pretty scary, like 75% of the space in downtown areas is, is, is for commercial use only. Um, we all know that after uh, the, during and after the COVID uh, pandemic, uh, the office and commercial cores of the U.S. were kind of hollowed out uh, due to most, if not all workers working from home. Um, so they have this thing called the urban doom loop, which is the oversupply of commercial space, fewer commuters, financial shortfalls from declining property taxes due to business closures. So it's just this endless loop where there isn't enough people to be there. People can't afford to be into the properties, oversupply of commercial, and it just, it just gets worse and worse. Um, they had this theory basically that this was, it was happening before uh, COVID hit. So COVID kind of broke the bubble, but the bubble was really starting to get to the point where it was going to burst. So they had some suggestions, things that we can do. Um, you know, America, the theory is America doesn't need all this office space anymore. I mean, cities can reclaim um, these devalued assets and find more profitable uses for the land, whether that's residential space, mixed use buildings, green spaces, parks, things like that, um, stadiums. Uh, they can incentivize small businesses uh, to keep to move into these areas by like waiving some of their like fees, uh, uh, offering incentives, tax breaks, removing blockers um, for, you know, business licenses and investment and things like that. So there's a really interesting article about how action that was taken, you know, 40 years ago built this bubble and it took like a pandemic to essentially put a needle in that in that balloon to kind of now we have these dead cities almost like apocalyptic level like <laughs> you know you you're watching the last of us and they're driving through you know kansas city and like the the, the buildings are empty it's kind of like what downtown areas are right now so it's, it was very interesting article no that sounds interesting yeah right on thanks for bringing that up man yeah. All right. Let's get to herding goats, man. Get this thing wrapped up. Um, my, uh, what, what's your good this week? Uh, my good this week is the live to walk again podcast, which is my other podcast. Um, I just, it's, it should be out by the time this one hits the airwaves. Um, didn't art. It didn't. Uh, so basically I'm a, I have a spinal cord injury. I'm a quadriplegic. 
Live to Walk Again podcast. You know, I've described a little bit about um, what it is, but uh, we had on a doctor from I- the University of Iowa, a researcher who um, basically takes like a different look at REM sleep and like the twitching that our bodies do. And even like most mammals have the same response while they're in REM sleep. Um, and babies sleep, have REM sleep for up to, they're in the womb, have a REM sleep up to 20 hours a day. And that's like a lot of times when like a mother feels the baby kicking, it's not actually them moving. It's them having these twitches. And he kind of figured out that the twitches, instead of the, the common thought for thousands of years was that the brain was sending waves to the, or sending signals to the body to move, but it's actually the body sending signals to the brain to map itself out which it's kind of mind-blowing man it it was really interesting uh interview that i did with this guy um i just uh, definitely anybody that might be interested check it out i thought it was really really good essentially uh, you get that you get the body to send the signals and your brain can remap it yeah and so then we talked about like maybe how artificial intelligence could help with like rerouting after a spinal cord injury because that's the thing like you're the spinal cord injury blocks the signals from getting between the brain and the body. So, um, yeah. So, Crazy. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. All right. What was yeah, your my name? good? Yeah. My good's not that significant. Uh, I just put <laughs> okay. the NBA, um, a lot of great storylines leading up to this season right now. We're in preseason of the NBA and I'm really excited, uh, to kind of see how this, this, the season plays out. It's just like the right amount of significant player movement. It's not crazy, but enough to like kind of get you excited. We have a couple of players returning from injury. That's going to be nice. Chet Holmring looked really mm. good against Wimbayana uh, uh the other day. And um, also um, Sion Williamson. Um, there was a Sion Williamson uh, sighting on, on a basketball court. So that was exciting. Uh, so, yeah, I think this will be fun. Hopefully everybody can stay healthy. Um, can't rest players anymore. We'll see. So might actually see some, some teams um, playing for something down the stretch. So that should be fun. Yeah. All uh, right. What's your uh, – go ahead. Yeah, my bad uh, is what I was going to say. Uh, Miami Hurricanes – Undefeated Miami Hurricanes, 20, 20, 19 and a half, 21 point favorite, something like that against Georgia Tech at home. Uh, Have the ball and the lead by three with 30 seconds to go. Georgia Tech has no timeouts. Instead of kneeling on the ball, they run it up the middle, fumble. Georgia Tech recovers on their own 30 one play get it over midfield uh second play 50 yard to 48 yard touchdown pass something like that guys running wide open uh Miami yeah. doesn't even go into prevent defense they lose the game with where I mean they score them over the top to yeah go. one second to go and uh yeah they blow like there's players on the sidelines are just crying it was like I I felt Never felt so bad for a Miami Hurricane. My brother is a huge Miami Hurricanes fan, so usually I relish in them uh, blowing it and shooting themselves in the foot every year. But this was uh, – I felt a little bit bit bad for him after my, – my, What I thought immediately when I when I kind of watched this was um, I, it reminded me of BC, Doug Flutie. Yeah. That last-minute pass that beat yeah. them at, in, during their heyday. Um, and to me – 
I don't know if it was, I think it was just a lucky play that Flutie pulled off. In this case, it was a bad coaching decision uh, yeah. to run the ball up the middle. So when he's done, he's actually uh, Manny, I think it's Manny Diaz or there's two guys that were both were coached at Miami and Oregon that I get confused, but whoever the head coach of Miami is, he did the same thing when he was at Oregon um, at the end of a game, but it gave up a tie and then they ended up losing in overtime. So it's not new. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, I know Pete Carroll's had a lot of uh, mistakes with, um, with uh, clock management at the end of games. And I know that I think most NFL teams now employ a person that just strictly, analyzes like game situations with you know like mapped up against the time that's left and uh, apparently the university of miami does not employ somebody that does that so <laughs> why would they all right my bad is uh, sergio brown i don't know if you heard about this former journeyman safety played for new england indianapolis colts jacksonville jaguars the atlanta falcons and the buffalo bills Brown's mother was found dead due to gunshot wounds in mid-September, and uh, Brown had been missing ever since. Uh, apparently, he fled to Mexico to avoid arrest. Mexican law enforcement uh, were aware of his entry into the country. They found and apprehended uh, him. Um, he is charged with first-degree murder. He was handed, handed over to the U.S. authorities and arrested in San Diego today. Uh, he's currently awaiting extradition uh, to Illinois. Very interesting and uh, bad situation there. Yeah, that's disturbing for sure. Did you hear about this or no? I did, yeah. yeah. Okay, I heard yeah. about it back then. I didn't realize he got picked up uh, in the last couple of days. But yeah, that's going to be good. <laughs> At least they got him off the streets. That's good. Uh, all right. So let's, that transitions right into the ugly. What do you got? All right, my ugly. Uh, so a couple of weeks ago now, Lee Corso and Pat McAfee, um, on college game day, Lee Corso made a comment about the Oregon State Washington State um, football game and called it the Nobody Wants Us Bowl. And I know uh -huh. that after the game, um, the Washington State Cougars won. Their coach made some comments, you know, about Lee Corso and about how ESPN kind of screwed this whole thing up for the Pac-12 anyway. And then the following week, Pat McAfee. The coach right, is like too it soon. It seemed like he was drunk <laughs> and made some disparaging comments about Washington State and um, their flags. Their flag flies at every uh, college game day location for like the last 284 weeks that they've been live somewhere. Um, which, and I'm not a big Washington State Cougars fan, but I think it's a cool tradition. And the like, Pat McAfee just—they were the first. That's why. Yeah, Pat McAfee just kind of like shit all over it and said like, "We don't need them." Blah blah blah. And just, um, it'll be interesting to see because the college game day is going to be live from Seattle, Washington, on Saturday with uh, the Cougar or the Huskies playing um, against the Oregon Ducks and I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how many Cougars fans show up to uh, kind of let McAfee have it. So I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. If you can stay up that light, it might be fun to watch. Yeah. All right. So my ugly is the NFL fines. A um, lot of weird ones out there. So uh, Tyree kill gets fined $7,000 for not having socks. Seems ridiculous to me. Uh, Jerry Tillery, um, 10000 for that out-of-bounds hit on Justin Herbert. Now, I think this is a little bit better, but it's the same amount 
as Justin Jefferson was fined for the too little celebration. Um, this must be like based on offenses. I don't know. And then Stefan Diggs, the aforementioned Stefan Diggs, uh, 13, over $13,000 for that stone cold celebration where he bangs the two beers together uh, that we thought was so cool when we were talking about it last week. Uh, man, you get fined just, for that? Uh, over 13 grand. Jesus. I look at that and I go, I could, I, I need to refinish a couple of bathrooms in the house. And that 13 grand will get me to that spot. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. what are we doing like, out a, there? Come on, Roger Goodell. This is dumb. the no fun league. Let the guy have, let these guys have some fun. I get the hit out of bounds charge. You know, it was, that was a egregious hit and he got kicked out of the game. I think a fine should ensue, but Tyreek seven grand for not wearing socks. Uh, apparently he's appealing. Hopefully it gets resolved, but this it's just ridiculous. All right, that's my ugly NFL fines. F those All guys. Right. Well, uh, before you get to your quote, um, everybody, please like, listen, rate, review, share. Uh, we love you all. Thank you for listening. <laughs> love you all. Jeremy, under the pressure of dynamic capitalism, all that is solid melts into the air. <laughs>